everyone. I hope you're all doing fine today and uh, everything is running smoothly and you are slowly enjoying your summer school, your city camp or summer camp, wherever you are. I hope this video is going to help you with that. With that being said, so we are going to take a look at seven different types of teachers in terms of their roles and how each one of the roles can affect our teaching. Now, it doesn't mean that you are only one type of teacher, you can be more than one. And if you listening carefully, and if you're analyzing in your head in the same time, you will be able to also reflect and analyze your recent lessons and how it played out. So let's get going. Types of teachers and their influences. So the first type of teacher, the first role I would like to talk about is the controller. So if you are a teacher who is more of a controller, then you probably like to be in charge of the classroom, of the dynamic. You like to get your students to answer the questions the way you want them. And you like it when your students um, know when they exactly need to answer. So you set the time for them and you set the style for them. Uh, or maybe this is the, the role that you have been playing and you are thinking, um, what, what is it that you are doing in the classroom and how this role is affecting them. So when you are the controller, uh, you tend to also give more drilling practices for them. And you are very focused on their accuracy throughout the class. So you are pretty controlling in terms of how accurate they produce the language and how they produce the language. And probably you give them um, some prompts that they strictly need to follow through. So this is a controller type of teachers. And how this affects our classroom in terms of uh, the level of student-centeredness is that a controller usually is much more teacher-centered, unfortunately. So this person basically dominates the class and the students have little say in it. If you want your class to be more uh, student-centered, perhaps you need to get rid of some of these characteristics. So maybe still have the drilling, of, of course, but maybe lower the amount of times that you drill them, yeah? Or maybe give them a different interaction pattern when they are drilling. So you are less of a controller, even though they are still practicing drillings. And also, of course, the activities with reproduction. So normally when I think about uh, controller, I also think about the PPP approach, uh, the usual approach that we use when we are in CELTA. That approach is not bad, depending how you use it. So elicit it from them, drill them, and then I erase the prompts again, and I get them to try to remember and fill it in. While that is, that sounds like it's student-centeredness, right? Because I am eliciting from them. However, the level of it is not enough still. So what we can do to improve that is we can uh, change that with, so change the PPP approach into a more guided discovery way 
which Rory is going to talk about that approach later on in the future, in the near future, actually. So that approach is going to help you to minimize your uh, teacher-centered time and slowly you will shift from controller to a different role. Of course, sometimes this role is useful for us, especially when we want to drill our learners' um, pronunciation and we have to make sure that we hear them out individually so we can give them the feedback and the guidance and perhaps help them to drill in a more accurate way after repeating us. So it's not all bad. It's just there needs to be a balance. Okay, and the next type. So the next one is the prompter. So if you were a prompter from time to time, it means that when a student doesn't know an answer or maybe he's stuck in, in language reproduction, you don't feed them with the information, but rather you give them clues and hints and you prepare the prompts for them perhaps. And from those prompts, you also guide them towards the direction you need them to go to accomplish the aim of the lesson. So you help them and you encourage them. So that is a prompter. So if you were a prompter, then it means that your classes are more student-centered than if you are a controller. The third uh, role I would like to talk about is the resource. Yeah, many times um, we feel that we have to be the resource for our students. We need to provide the help. We need to give them the answers. We basically many times feel like we are Wikipedia, which not really, we are human, we are also learning, and every day we are learning something new ourselves. So to those of you who are, you know, very strict with yourself and perfectionist, and if you have this imposter syndrome, then I, I would, Rather, you try to use different roles to teach in your class. You can still be the resource, of course, but hear me out. When we are the resource, we don't exactly have to throw them the information, but we instead give them the tools that they need and we help them to find the information. For example, if we are doing a scavenger hunt uh, in an online lesson, then we can give the learners tools such as Google, yeah, to look for information, or we give them a specific website that we found bef like before the class when we are planning the lesson, we give them that and we point out which box, you know, in which link the information might be in. So that's what we can do also. And we are the one who teach them how to use some of the tools. For example, we are the one who teach them how to use Miro board. We are the one who teach them how to use Google slide if you are using it. And also you probably are the one who teach them how to use sites like Google Classroom or Edmodo to turn in their homework. So those kind of things we help if we are a resource teacher. 
But don't ever feel that you have to be exactly like a Wikipedia teacher. No, you don't. We don't have all the information all the time. And I don't want you to stress yourself out. You see, we have a lot of books in this library. And we tend to think that in a library, we should find all the books that we need, but we aren't able to because the library has limited space and also limited uh, finance to buy every single book from, from all over the world. And so it's, it's like our brain, right? We can learn as much as possible, but there are so many information out there outside of what we uh, get acquainted to every day that we really don't know. So be very careful with uh, being uh, a resource teacher if you are one. Yeah, guide them, but don't feed them the information. Okay, so if you are uh, an assessor, then it means that you function as someone who is evaluating the class, the performance, maybe the project. Uh, if we are an assessor teacher, then it means that we assess our students' performance, their actions, their language, their accuracy. We give them feedback on that um, from whatever we observed. Yeah, but we have to be very careful because when we assess a performance, when we are giving feedback, we have to give it more gently and in a supportive mode. If you are very strict in terms of your feedback because you feel like you are the real assessor, like, you know, you're from Cambridge, you know, assessing a South trainer, then, you know, uh, just chill, relax. Uh, just remind yourself that your students do need you to be the prompter from time to time. So you can mix between the prompter and the assessor, assess their, uh, assess their performance, but then you give them, uh, you know, praises, you encourage them like the cheerleader. Yeah. Okay. And by being assessor, uh, our classroom tend to be more student-centered because you are sitting in the, in the back seat of the classroom or you're sitting in a corner and you are not involved in the performance that they are doing or you're not in, involved with their presentation. So you only sit back, which is great. Um, I would say it's it's good. It's it is student centered. However, you still need to you know be involved from time to time, especially if they are young learners. Yeah, because young learners they still need you to be a bit of like the controller type of teacher. So the classroom is being managed, um, in in some form of way. Of course, like we just need a little bit of the characteristic from the controller to make sure that students know that you are listening to them, you are paying attention to them, and you are making sure that everything is running smoothly. Okay, so talking about running things smoothly, we also have another type of teacher and that's the organizer. So if you are a teacher who is more of an organizer, when you were planning your lesson, you think more about the time management and um, how much time you need for each activity and how many activities you should do in each lesson. 
or in that particular lesson or in two hours or in one hour and a half. So you have that in mind. And also, if you are an organizer, then it means that when you are giving your instructions, you tend to make sure that they're clear enough and you also demonstrate it. Also, Rory uh, have also talked about um, micro-staging your instructions. So if you're an organizer and you want to become a better teacher, uh, a better organizer in your lesson, then when you are thinking about the instructions, think about how to micro-stage them as well. That will also help you to um, plan your classes well and also think about the student-centeredness because many times um, when our instructions are not clear, uh, our learners are not able to do the activity on their own and that leads to more support needed, which is fine, but it really takes um, a chunk of time from our lesson and we need to think about managing our time better. And the sixth type of teacher is the participant. So basically what a participant teacher does is they make sure that uh, the atmosphere is good in the classroom. So they probably would maybe um, tell some cheesy jokes in the beginning of the lesson, or perhaps they put some music in the background to soften the atmosphere if things were tensed. Um, especially in a teenage class, they probably had a hard day at school and they come to your lesson and what a participant teacher does is put on some music for them to just chill and relax a little bit before moving on to something very, very difficult to do. Um, and of course, if a task is not like easy at all for them and it's over challenging, you shouldn't use it. So, um, what a participant does is also they get involved in activities, especially when there are, for example, even numbers uh, and they are monitoring. So they can join in from time to time to have a chat about the tasks that, that they are doing, you know, mingle around a little bit so the atmosphere is better. Um, if there's an odd number in the class and the teacher still wants them to participate as pair, um, then they can fill in the gap and do the activities with that pair and, of course, switch partners around so they can also mingle to different um, different students in the same time. So it's not just only focusing on one particular student when they are filling the gap. And this type of teacher, they are also uh, in the role of uh, more student-centered uh, teaching style. Because uh, if you were a participant, you let the class go in a flow. You were more involved rather than more powerful than them. But of course, you have to really, again, change pairs, change partners, so that you are not too involved with a specific student. Because if you are too involved, then that would lead to a different role. You would be the tutor. 
And what the tutor does uh, is that he gives advice to one particular student. And it's more like a one-to-one -one vibe. So if you have one-to-one -one students, you most likely are the tutor teacher. Uh, and again, it's, it doesn't mean that you can't be other types of teacher, you still can, but some teachers, they fall into the tutor mode and they begin to be more dominant in the class because they feel that they need to. And, or if it's not a one-to-one -one class, then in a project or in a self-study, the teacher or the teacher is able to walk around, monitor and give one-to-one -one advice and monitor one-to-one. -one. And probably, you know, during the stage they are drilling one-to-one. -one. So this role is not completely bad. Um, it's good in terms of uh, being more aware of each student's weakness and strength. However, they need to be very careful that if they do it too often, the student might be in the, uh, sorry, if they do it too often, then the student might be too dependent on, on them. And we really want our class not only to be student-centered, but we want also the students to develop this learner's autonomy so they can be more independent eventually and learn information on their own and do their home tasks more successfully. And eventually when they graduate from your class, they can also be more independent learners in the society as well. So that was the final role uh, for our presentation. And I hope it's really helpful for you in terms of what you need to think about when you were planning a lesson and how you should be in the classroom. And again, as I say, you don't have to choose only specific one because you can be more than one role. For example, uh, at some certain point in my lesson, I am the controller. And another point of the lesson, I can be the participant. Sometimes I am the tutor because I need to make sure that they're doing well one-to-one. And sometimes I can easily be the organizer, especially when I'm choosing activities for the class. I am choosing it and I'm thinking about the timing. So there, I can be four roles uh, in one lesson. If you're already aware of these roles or you are already analyzing your lesson in your head while I'm speaking, why don't you share with me what kind of teacher are you? What roles have you been playing in your class? All right, guys, that's it for today and hope I will see you another time. Bye.